Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. So, uh, it was back the last week of 2003, it was, uh, like just right after Christmas, Candace and I loaded up our minivan with our four kids aged uh, five to 12 years old. I, I believe they were five to 12 years old. And we loaded up for the big trip to drive from where we were staying at her folks' house in northern Wisconsin to uh, here, to Seattle, as so 15 years ago, to make the move to be to be here at this church. And so um, I forget how far it was. It was... Uh, I think it's 1,700 miles in a car in the wintertime, four kids, age seven, or five to 12. What do you think those four words were that were going on in the car? Are we there yet? 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 It went on and on and on and on and on. Finally, Candace had to turn to me and say, would you stop? See, we're in a hurry, in a hurry to get there. We're always in a hurry to get there. Our lifestyle today makes us need to get there. We've got fast food restaurants. We've got cable on demand. We've got uh, internet access that when the screen doesn't load quick enough, we go, what's going on? And like back in my day when the internet was invented, we were overjoyed when we went from the 28, what is it, 28K to a 56K modem. Yes! Our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. The people who study this stuff, the smart people who study our brains, noted that in the year 2000, the average American's attention span was 12 seconds. Today, or I'm sorry, in 2015... It's gone to 8.25 seconds. And those same people who study the brains have determined that a goldfish's attention span is nine seconds. So you've heard the old, you have the attention span of a goldfish. Now we're insulting the goldfish. Right? Uh, they, they watched the average office worker and they determined they check their email 30 times an hour. And that they touch their cell phone 1,500 times a week to check it. We're in this, this hurry up, get there, easily distracted, things take us out of the way. And we're reminded by scripture that we're a work in progress. If Open your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 1, where we started our series in Philippians. Uh, I, just, I think this is a great place to remind us of what we're going to be looking at later on in chapter 3. Paul says in chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, and this is what I want you to catch, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Our spiritual journey is not a hurry up and get there. Our spiritual journey is, is a work in progress because we're a work in progress. 
So on that trip, after we, we, we handled the are we there yet problem, we had those three words. Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? I remember being in Montana and asking this and having the kids and everybody asked the same question hours later. Where are we? Kept saying Montana. And I, and I, I like to say that I spent a week in Montana one day. You know, it's like, whew. Where are you? Where are we? I have a question for you that I'd really like you to, to contemplate. Really think about this. Where are you? How much more spiritually mature are you today? Um, say, than the day that you received Christ as your Savior. Or how about, how much more than 10 years ago? Than five years ago? How much more spiritually mature are you than one year ago? Can you answer in your heart that, you, that, that there's progress being made? Can others answer on your behalf and say they see progress being made? Today we're going to dig into Scripture and we're going we're to look at some things that are going to cause us to possibly have to dive deeper into examining ourselves. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for this time that we can come together and to worship you and to, to be in your word, to hear what you would have said to us through the pages of Scripture I just pray, Father, that uh, as I open your word and share that uh, you would equally convict me if there is conviction to be had, that you would give encouragement where encouragement is needed. And, Father, we thank you, too, that your word always blesses because you are the blessing. You are the great and powerful, incredible God of the universe and our Savior. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be looking at chapter 3. So if you want to turn over with me to chapter 3. And the verses that Pastor Jim uh, assigned to me are verses 12 through 17. So let's start reading at chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to stop there for just a second, and I want to examine that, that portion of the passage. Paul talks about um, not yet being made perfect. Uh, it's important that you understand he's not talking about sinless perfection. That can't be achieved this side uh, uh, in this life. It can only be achieved when we are before God in heaven. This word shouldn't really be uh, translated perfect it should be more translated complete, um, fully matured, at the end, done. Paul says, I press on, I strain, I strain toward the goal, the, the, literally the goal marker. These are action words. And that if Paul say, Paul's saying if, he, if we want to grow in spiritual maturity, we need to be very intentional. And there's a lot of action, a lot of, 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 of movement, a lot of forwardness. Um, I like to stir up a little controversy whenever I preach. You know, I like to, I like to be a little provocative. And so I'm going to open this door. And, and like as Pastor Jim has said, you know, I'm going to get letters for this. You know, 
The greatest running back in the history of the NFL was Barry Sanders. Hands down. He was my favorite to watch. Played for the Detroit Lions. He, he, every time someone was going to tackle him, you'd see the mob just go to hit him and suddenly he'd squirt out and disappear and run. He ran like a kangaroo. You know, he just, he jumped all over. And boom, I, I went online and I went, looked for the, the 50 greatest plays of Barry Sanders. And I saw like, I don't know, five or six videos, different people's videos. And as I looked at them, not everybody had the exact same 50. He was incredible. And you know why he was so good to, for, for me? Why, one of the reasons I thought he was so great? Some running backs run right at the enemy, the other team. He always avoided. He had the vision to see, I shouldn't go this direction. And he, if he needed to, he'd go backward. He would go backward to get 100 yards. He always used his blockers, but sometimes his blockers just, they couldn't do the job, and he, and he just ran that ball. And when he'd cross that line, when he'd get that goal marker, when he would cross the plane and get the touchdown, my favorite part about him, this is what he was known for. He'd hand the ball to the referee, and then he'd walk off the field. He wouldn't spike it. He wouldn't do the celebration. He wouldn't do any of that stuff. He said, why celebrate what I'm paid to do? I'm expected to get this ball across the end zone. And I got it there. Here you go, ref. These action words, this press on, this straining, this straining toward the goal marker, they're not only action words, they're also military words. They, they represent... Um, how, how a army, an infantry, works together. You don't have an infantry line advance one of, ahead of the other and allow the enemy to come in behind your, on your flanks. The Roman, the Roman army would link their shields and they would advance together and press on, press on, press on, press on. And if anyone fell, they would close ranks and put that person behind them always so that the, the, they, could be, they could be rescued or, or get back to their feet. This is what Paul's, Paul's telling us. We need to press on. This isn't just a you press on. This is a we press on. We press on shoulder to shoulder. We encourage each other. And when one of us falls, we don't give them grief. We close ranks and we support them and we lift them up and we get them back into the fight. We get them back into the battle. So where are you? Where are you on your spiritual journey? Here's another question for you. What are three spiritual practices that you are very intentional about doing to help you become more spiritually mature? Who has three? I'm not going to ask you to tell me what they are, so don't worry. I just want to, by show of hands, who, who has three? Who has three like this but would rather be like, come on, get your hands up. Think about that. Think about that. And then also think about this. Does your answer about having three intentional uh, spiritual practices, does that possibly describe how much you've grown in the last ten years, five years, 
one year. There's a relationship here. Um, if you guys could put up that slide. Oh, I'm supposed to, yeah, the other slide. Next one. Thank you. This is, this is six foundations. God's word. God's word is one of the foundations for our spiritual growth. Are you in it daily? Are you in it actively? Are you in it regularly? Prayer. Um, in this morning we prayed. We, we asked God's presence to be here, and we also need to consider that we are in the presence of God when we pray. We're asking him into all things, and we are joining him in his, in his heavenly realm. A loving community of believers. Which, by the way, I, I want to stop for a second and say, this is some of the, these are the six foundations for which I've been operating the youth program. I just, okay? A loving community of believers. I've got great adult leaders. I've got great students. And, and one thing that we've always been about is like destroying and busting up cliques. And it got to the point where, where I don't know that we even have a clique. Because when our, when our students come together, it's, it's a strong community. It's an encouraging community. We're an encouraging congregation. We need to keep loving on our kids as much as we can. We need to have a proper understanding of who God is. You know, God's, God's getting a lot of attacks lately. His identity is getting shifted and changed in our culture. And as we study scripture, we'll have a really good understanding of who God is. And as we have a good understanding of who God is, we'll have a proper understanding of our, of our identity in Christ. We need to know who we are for us to grow more deeply in our spiritual walk. And we need to have a proper understanding of our mission as a believer. Um, I remember uh, reading this years ago. Um, it's a Pastor Rick Warren said, uh, you know that there's only two things that you can't do in heaven that you can do here on earth? There's two things you can't do in heaven. One, sin. Two, lead other people to Christ. And he says, which one do you think he left you here to do? I thought, wow, that's really powerful. So if you want to be a light for Christ... Those are six foundational blocks upon which you must build your life. Um, let's look at verse 15. Paul says, "All of us who are mature should take such a view of should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we have already attained." Ah, once again, that live up word right there, that means to advance in a line like the military would advance in a line. Let us advance together. Paul is speaking to each individual believer, but he is speaking to a church, a group of people. We need each other to grow in our spiritual maturity. But I want to take a look right now at what spiritual maturity isn't. Some of the markers that we often use and look at that we think, ah, that must mean spiritual maturity, I want to warn us that it may not at all mean spiritual maturity. Age. Just because you're older doesn't necessarily mean you're more spiritually mature than someone who's younger than you are. Years ago, and it was, it was not here, and so you, you don't know who this is at all, I was uh, working in a different ministry, and uh, there was a pastor's wife who had information that she shouldn't have had. And she was sharing it with some of the people 
around us. And I, and I thought, boy, this isn't appropriate. This is just not right. And, and I, I, I approached her and I said, ma'am, uh, this is kind of, this is gossip. And, and I don't think it's appropriate that you say this. And, and I said, you really should, should change your ways. And she said to me, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I said, well, ma'am, you're not a dog. And our Christian walk is not a bunch of tricks. We're being called to change and to be transformed. And, and it isn't just because we're older that we're more spiritually mature. Business success. I've seen, if, if you can run a successful business, fantastic. But doesn't mean that you're more spiritually mature and you've got it all going, got your act together uh, spiritually. Wealth doesn't mean you're spiritually mature. Um, about this same time, I attended a, a leadership conference in Grand Rapids. Uh, 900 pastors in one room, and the speaker up front said to, the congreg- to, to, to all of the, the men there, he said, do you want to know who the elders should be in your church? Find out who gives the most money to the, to the ministry and you put them in places of leadership. And my jaw just dropped. I thought, that's, that's terrible. That's, that's not spiritual maturity. And I, I looked out on the walls of the church where this was being held. And they had the giving rolls per, published on the wall. So... All by name, so everyone in the congregation, all of you, if we had put your, your, that's none of your business. That's none of anyone else's business. And who gave the most? It was listed by who gave the most. That happens. That's, that's not, that's not spiritual maturity. I mean, the book of James talks about how we, how, how the wealthy man should not have the best seat and give it to him because it's not about his spiritual maturity. Biblical, theological knowledge. James tells us to be doers of the word, not just knowers of the word. You know it, do it. Live your faith. It goes beyond data. Spiritual maturity is not just based on a title. And so, I want to start here. If you have the title reverend, it doesn't necessarily make you more spiritually mature than someone else. Um, a friend of mine, back east, contacted me and let me know that uh, he's now a reverend. And I said, what, how, how did you pull this off? And he said, went online, filled out the information, and I am now a reverend. He said, so there's nothing special about you. And I'm like, well, sure there is. I spent like a lot of money and you went online and did this. I said, why, why did you do this? And he said, oh, a friend of mine asked me if I'd do his wedding. I don't like, really? So if you have the title reverend, doesn't necessarily make you spiritually more mature. Nor the title pastor. See, God's word is for everybody 
to feel a little convicted and to be nurtured and fed and grown. If you have the title elder, the title deacon, the title worship leader, committee member, church member, Christian, doesn't mean that you're growing in your maturity, in your, in your spiritual maturity. Verse 17, Paul says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. We're supposed to grow and live our lives according to a pattern. Um, this morning, as I was teaching the senior high Sunday school, we looked at First uh, Peter chapter 1, and there's... Uh, there's it's growing in faith is not a formula, but there's several areas in which the scriptures show us how we can grow in our in our walk with God and how we are to mature. But Paul is warning us there to follow the pattern of a Christian life. And then in Romans chapter 12, he tells us this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You ever stop to think what the patterns of this world are? I think they kind of come down to strife and conflict. And how easy it is to get caught up in strife and conflict and live according to the pattern of this world. So I I, I hit on um, reverend and pastor... Strife and conflict, Facebook, political conversations. Oh, man. Oh, man. If you're not a minister of reconciliation, I'd suggest that you're operating in a place that is not helping you grow in your maturity in a spiritual way. Patterns of the Spirit are what we are supposed to be growing in. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How are you growing in those ways? Those are the measurements. Ask yourself. Go through the list. They're in Galatians chapter 5. Go through the list and look at them and say, Am I growing in my love? Do people consider me joyful? Am I someone who seeks peace? Or do I seek strife? Am I growing in my patience? Am I kind? Do I do good things or righteous things for others? Am I faithful to God and faithful to my spouse and faithful to my kids and faithful to my church, faithful to my community? Am I gentle? Do I have self-control? Use those things to determine, have you grown in the last year, five years, ten, since you were first accepted Christ? Uh, this time, I want to ask uh, all of the youth leaders who are in the room, who have worked with the junior high or senior high kids ever, by the way, not, not just this current year, if you would please stand up. I had great leaders, <laughs> some of whom didn't work with me. But as I look around, I see people who have established good patterns. Okay, you can go ahead and have a seat. Um, 
If you're an elder in the church, please stand up. These are the men in our church who lead us in in spiritual ways. And it's by their patterns that they show by example us how we should live. Thanks, guys. Please sit. There's going to be a lot of standing and sitting, by the way, right now. Parents, go ahead and stand up. What are the patterns? What are the patterns that you are displaying for your family? What are the patterns that you're displaying for your spouse? What are the patterns that your grandchildren see? I don't know if this is true, but I thought it was really interesting to hear this. Um, Someone said to us when we had, when the kids were really small, they said, do you know how you can tell if someone's a really good parent? How? And they said, by their grandkids. I thought, wow, that's a really profound thoughts. Please remain standing. So if you ever, leaders again, stand up. Elders, please stand up. If you ever taught a Sunday school lesson to any children in our church or any other church, Awana leader, anything where you did something with the kids and helping any of our students, helping them grow in their spiritual faith, please stand up. Okay. Kind of a heavy sermon today, but I want to now lighten it like this. This is what Paul's talking about. You advance together like this. And some of you are going to blow it. And some of you are going to get that touchdown. Always encourage each other, walk next to each other, and by grace people will know, by by the way we love one another, the world will know we are his disciples and how we love each other. Please go ahead and have a seat. So I'd like to ask, except for if you're a graduate, if the graduates would please come forward. Now, not everybody could be here today. Some, we've got a couple graduations. You've got to get out of here really fast. You've got to be in Everett in like what? One o'clock? Oh, I've got till one. Okay. So uh, the, the bulletin insert has all of the graduates. Not everybody could be here. I wanted to, to bring them up front, and I want to give you a gift before you go. Okay? Each of you, it's the same thing. I have, I have three books. Okay? Three. Last year it was one. This year it's three. The first book is the one I want you to read. I'm going to take the rubber band off. You're going to... You're, you're welcome. Oh, well, you, you can keep the rubber band if you want. Might, might come in handy later, you know. The first one is a book called The Journey by Peter Kreeft. Read this before your next, the next uh, chapter of, of your life, what you move forward to, whether it be college or trade school or, or work or a year up. Read this book before, okay? Now, here's the thing, and I say this every year. Please prove me wrong this year. Every time I talk with my students and say, did you read this book before you? And they, well, I'll get, I'll get at least one or two. They go, no. And then they'll read it after and go, I should have read that book before I went. I'm like, I know. Read this book after you have gone at least four years into whatever your venture is. It's called Dangerous Wonder. It's written by Mike Iaconelli and subtitled The Adventure of Childlike Faith. 
give this book to your parents. It's called 18 Plus. Partnering your emerging adult. Parenting your emerging adult. I want you to give those books, or give that book to your parents. Read those books. Thank you. See, that's, and that's something about Katie. She's always making sure everybody's taken care of. This is her gift. She's got a gift of serving. Um, I'd like to ask you to stand up, and we're going to pray. And as we step out, I'm going to ask you to, if you are available out in the narthex, to greet with everybody and meet with them. That would be wonderful. Oh, we're going to, we're going to do something here. You got to. Father God, I thank you so much for this beautiful day, and I thank you for these young people, and I pray your hand of blessing be upon them, not only this day that you would guide them and give them safety this summer with uh, all of their new freedom and new activities that are before them. You'd give them wisdom and clarity of mind to make great choices. And Lord, I just pray that you uh, stand beside them to their left, their right, before them and behind them, that you go above them and below them in all ways and all things as you protect them and give them wisdom to grow more deeply in their relationship with you. May you uh, bless their lives mightily and in a, in a beautiful way. We thank you for who they are and how they reflect you in, in their personalities and their desire to walk with you. We pray that uh, all things will bless you and bring honor to you as we leave this building. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Go ahead and grab your stuff. And we will, as soon as we step out, you are dismissed. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have another song. <clears throat> we have another song, by the way. See, I was getting you out of here. That's what I thought. I was going to tell you that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. And uh, let's have a word of prayer together. And uh, we'll have the uh, graduates. If you guys could kind of be in the narthex so people can greet you. And uh, wish you well and wish God's blessing upon you. If that would be great, you could do that. And uh, Katie, you come down and join us as well, okay? All right. Huh? We're going to have you in the narthex too, okay? To greet people. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Oh, you have to go somewhere, don't you? All right. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Thank you for coming today. Lord bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your uh, wonderful uh, goodness to us that we could gather today and to recognize these young people, Lord. We thank you for them. We pray your wonderful blessing upon them. And, Lord, we thank you for all these leaders that stood up, all those who've had a part in their lives. And, Lord, as we even saw our children come and sing today, as we continue to have a part in training, leading, nurturing our young people, we pray your blessing upon them. We go today thanking you, worshiping you, celebrating the resurrection, and rejoicing in the hope of our salvation. God's blessing be upon every one of you as you serve him this week. In his name and the Lord Jesus Christ, all God's people can say, Amen. 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 Lord bless you. Thank you for coming.